Heavenly Father, we I give you thanks. Father, you are our faithful God. Um, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that you are a rock, and that we can come to you any time. And so, Father, this afternoon as we come to you, our Heavenly Father, feed us, nurture our faith, that we might again see Jesus high and lifted up, and that we will commit ourselves to follow him wherever he takes us. For his sake we pray. Amen. A very good afternoon to you again, and it's really lovely to be here. Uh, this is really now uh, truly well and, uh, well and truly my experience of onboarding. I've come to a family, uh, and as I get to know you more, uh, I'm beginning to give thanks for many of you. Uh, you've been behind the scenes, some of you working, doing you know, sound, music, uh, but, you know, in the vacancy, it's been difficult, but you've helped the ship together, so thank you. Uh, it's been great, and I praise God uh, for all of you. Uh, we continue our series in Colossians, uh, and these af- on this afternoon, we're going to look in detail on uh, Colossians chapter 2, sorry, chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. Can I invite you to open your Bibles, uh, your Bible again? I will have some of the, the Bible verses on the screen, but, you know, it's a good habit to open a Bible. Uh, let me begin by asking uh, you a question. Um, how many of you enjoy waiting? Do you like waiting? Yes? No? Um, you know, waiting, you know, when we're a child, we wait for our birthday, right? We, can, we, we even count the days. Or we're waiting for Christmas, we count the days to Christmas. Why? Uh, because we know that on those days, on those occasions, we receive presents and well wishes. Uh, and, but by and large, people don't really like to wait, isn't it? I, I have a confession to make. I, I don't like waiting. Um, over the years, I get better at it. I just you know, mask my impatience very well, right? Uh, but waiting sucks. Waiting is unproductive. Waiting is a waste of time. Instead of waiting, I want to, I'd rather be doing something. Waiting means that we're not currently receiving what we want in life. Uh, you know, you're waiting for, for something means that there is, there is something that you desire, but reality is not yet. And so waiting is painful. You long for it. You cry for it. Waiting can also be anxiety-provoking. Uh, you know, you, you wait for the medical report to let you know if that thing is just a growth or it's something that requires, you know, treatment. You wait in at your boss's office because you're wondering whether is that promotion going to come. Or worse, you might get laid off. Uh, waiting is difficult. And I think for that same reason, many people find praying difficult. Because praying, like waiting, uh, is often seen as passive, unproductive, uh, that's our experience, isn't it? We, we think about praying when we've exhausted all other avenues of active intervention. You, you know that? Right? If there's something you could do, let's just go do it. And when you reach the point where you are helpless, you don't know, there's nothing else to do, then often people say things like, well, it's time to pray. It takes a miracle now. 
Uh, our church experiences uh, oftentimes that prayer is that little thing that gets tagged on at the end of all our meetings, isn't it? Uh, that's the, that's the, uh, praying is a time when you say, let's close in prayer, you know, that's where the fellowship, the, the supper begins and things like that. There's a danger that even as we come to our passage today, because it's right at the end, you know, you almost seems like, oh yeah, this is the business end of things. Right? Paul's just rounding things off. Uh, but not, not so for Paul. If you've been tracking Colossians, you know that right from the beginning to the end, Paul's been praying. Paul prays for the Colossians to start with. Uh, and then throughout there, you know, he talks about what, what, what's happening with this, the reality that now that we're in Christ. And he's thankful for that. And then coming to the end, you know, this is when he, you know, it flows on for that. So for Paul and for Jesus, praying isn't just this thing that's get, 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 you know, that gets tacked on to the end. There's a book that I've read uh, about prayer. Uh, the author Daniel Henderson observed that, you know, we pray in the context of ministry, but Jesus ministered in a context of prayer, right? There's a difference here. Uh, the apostles, the people who are close to Jesus have experienced this with Jesus. They sat with him, they ate with him, they saw how he ministered, and that changed him. So the way Jesus do ministry was, you know, that Jesus do ministry in the context of prayer. And so the apostles imitate that. Uh, Jesus was, you know, Jesus did only what he saw his father doing. And he lived in that zone where he was always trying to be obedient to his father. He was aligned, in other words. And every day he was resourced because he was in that zone. It was through his life of prayer. And so what, what it means is that I know we all pray. Uh, but oftentimes we pray to, be, to, pray, to, to pray in the context of ministry means that we, we run a program and then we ask God, please bless. Please help me get the sermon right, for example. Please help the children to behave as I teach them in Sunday school. Uh, good, but for Jesus, the other way around. Jesus spent time with his father. He was intimate with his father. And therefore, when he served, he, served was, he was resourced by the father through the Holy Spirit. He knew he was aligned, and he knew he was doing exactly what his father wanted to do. And it's the same with the apostle Paul. Right? Paul asked for prayer. Paul is aligned himself through prayer. And as we read what Paul is going to, as we read about what Paul is saying, we're going to hear echoes of what Jesus is teaching us as well. You know, Paul kind of has this thing where he picks up what Jesus has said and he comes out in his teaching. Uh, and so in one sitting, we, we, we realize that that's how the Colossians would have heard and read Colossians. Now we, for our teaching purposes, we kind of segment it. We want to delve in there. But if you are sitting, if you're listening to the whole Colossians in one sitting, it's not a bad idea to do that. Uh, then you will understand that prayer is not optional. It's not the end bit that got tagged on. It flows out of our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We understand what, Jesus, what God has done in Jesus. We've been called to belong to him. Now we were hidden in him. And now we were, we were told how to live as God's people. And prayer just flows out of that. Uh, Paul has two main exhortations for us today. Paul exhorts his listeners to be persistent, to be loyal, in fact, in prayer. And secondly, Paul wants his listener to be wise in the way that he, they, they engage outsiders. So let's have a look at the first one. You know, so chapter, two, <clears throat> chapter 4, verse 2, I keep saying chapter 2, 
begins a new segment. It looks like a new thing. <coughs> Excuse me. But it actually flows on from verse 1. Right? Verse 1 finishes with the master that is on high. Right? It kind of finishes up there where we, we, we see again the king, the master. Uh, just recall what was shared last Sunday. That's why we treat each other well. Because the master has a bigger master and the slave is serving this master because there is another master. And so there is a Lord, there is a master, there is one who is supreme in power, who is in heaven. And that makes praying more than just a duty that we do because we're afraid, but because this is a kind master. He's a master that you want to love. Praying is therefore an expression of our devotion to this master whom we love and we care about. Uh, So Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, Devote is that word, isn't it? It, It's kind of a a really strong relational word. You know, in in its context, in the first century, it it conveys both persistence in an activity. You got to, you know, you got to make sure you don't give up. Be persist, uh, persist in it. Keep praying. But it also conveys faithfulness and loyalty to someone. And so in our lingo, we would say, you know, we we stick it out with that person. We become loyal. There is a loyalty to that, that word. Uh, it ties in very nicely to, to prayer. Because when you are devoted to someone, you are committed to that person. Uh, this weekend was a, a challenging one. Uh, I'm still you know, learning the bits and pieces that goes with this job. Uh, but it was challenging also because Valerie had to go away uh, from Friday. So I was the sole father uh, and I was doing the parenting at home. Uh, so I was doing the caregiving, cooking, and making sure uniforms get washed, etc., etc., etc. So there is a sense that I'm caring for my children because it's my duty as a father. Uh, Kim is looking at me going, that's nothing. <laughs> you only got two, right? <laughs> but uh, Stephanie's away, so. Uh, but you... It would be insufficient to say that that's the only reason why I'm doing it. Yeah, I have a duty of care. But I'm doing it because I'm committed to my children. I'm devoted to them. I love them. There is a relationship. Uh, in the same way, that's what prayer is about. Prayer is not just a duty that we're commanded to do, but there's a relational element to it. We pray because we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so as far as the kind of caregiving duty, is, you know, uh, is concerned. Uh, I'm an average father, I would say, average. Huh? Uh, I don't always do some things perfectly. You know, just ask my children, they'll tell you. But just because I'm not good at those things doesn't mean I give up, right? That's what, again, that's what prayer is like. Prayer is difficult. Most people feel that they're inadequate about, you know, when it comes to praying, they wish they can pray more, but don't give up. Keep on praying. Be persistent in prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. One of my favorite quotations about praying comes from a chapter in a book. Love it. The first time I read it, I go, yeah, amen, that's me. Um, the, the title of this chapter says, uh, the, the, the title says, how could something that I'm so bad at be God's will for my life? Right. It's talking about prayer. I say, amen. That's me. I don't feel so bad after all. How could something that I'm so bad at be God's will for my life? And it it is. It is God's will for us to pray. Uh, Maybe a minor point is prayer is not about performance. 
Have you thought about that? Nothing in our Christian life is about performance. Gospel is by grace. You're not in because of what you can do. You're in because God loves you and saves you. And therefore, even if you suck at prayer, at praying, don't, that doesn't stop us from coming to God. God's will for us is that we, we are to come to Him as children, cry out to Him as Father. Uh, praying is difficult, but we need to keep doing it. Uh, to put it in a context, I think that's part of our day-to-day worship of this God. Devote yourselves to prayer. Notice the plural there. Paul isn't just referring to individual praying. I'm sure we all do that. That's great. Uh, Paul, I think, is thinking about the corporate prayer aspect. You know, when we were together as the body of Christ, praying together, whether it's praying at the same time or praying for the same thing, uh, there is an element where we share in that devotion. Right? Just as we are devoted to God, right, that upward dimension, there is a there is that horizontal dimension as well. We're devoted to one another. We pray together. If you ever look at uh, chapter 3, verse 15 onwards, that's where, you know, uh, Paul, Paul reminds us that, you know, Christ, the word of Christ dwell in us richly as a community, all of us. And then we teach, admonish one another with wisdom uh, through songs, psalms, uh, hymns, with thanksgiving and gratitude in our hearts. I think Paul had in mind when it comes to prayer that, that, is an, that that's another expression of that. That's our corporate worship with the Father through the Son, enabled by the Holy Spirit. And Paul continues to say, so devote yourself to prayer, being watchful. And here's a word that reminds us of the teaching of Jesus uh, you know, in the gospel. Remember that time when Jesus was praying in the garden? Uh, just before he went to the cross, just before his arrest, uh, he, he, called his disi- he got his disciples together and said, pray, my, uh, you know, my heart is troubled. Uh, three times he went back and he found that his disciples were sleeping. Uh, and so they were not watchful. That's the word. The word literally means to be awake, to be alert, not sleeping. Uh, and I was in Singapore, and we had to do the national. We had to be part of national service. So I was in the army. I don't know if you've ever been that experience. Uh, you have to be. You have to. I was a sentry, uh, you know, soldier standing on guard, and I have to be awake. Same word, same sentry duty. Be devoted to that. And so, when the disciples were sleeping, what 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 was happening? As far as Jesus was concerned, I was disappointed with them because, in that sense, they were not devoted enough. He was going through a really difficult time, and he wished that his disciples would understand. Going back a little further in the story about Jesus, even before his death, Jesus warned his, his followers to be watchful. He, he, told, he tells them this parable about this master who was going away to his servant. And he tells, tells the servant, the master tells the servant, be watchful, I'm coming back. And the servants that were watchful were rewarded. Same word. See, that, that's where the context of prayer comes in. There's, there's an urgency to what Paul is saying here. Uh, Jesus, the, there is, the end is near, in, in other words. The master is coming back. We don't know when. Therefore, we have to be prepared. We have to be watchful. We should not be caught off guard. We should not be sleeping. And so here's another connection between praying and waiting. Ultimately, our waiting is an eschatological waiting. That's just a very big word for the end, the kingdom waiting. When God will come again. 
We live in that period of time when we know Jesus is resurrected. We know he's king. But we still know that the world is, is broken. We know it this week. But when Jesus comes again, that waiting is going to be fulfilled. And so we pray. That waiting can, can be anxiety-provoking, isn't it? You know, we, we don't know the end, but we do know the end. I mean, let me come back to that. That's because Paul, keeps saying, Paul continues to say, being watchful and thankful. See, Jesus' return should not bring fear or anxiety for us, because, you know, for us who are devoted to him, because we know the end already. Jesus is going to win. He is already won. And because the end is certain, we can be thankful because we've been saved by this king already. We are insiders, not outsiders. You come a little, you know, go, jump a little bit forward to, um, to that bit where in verse 3 where Paul talks about, again, he asks for prayer and he's saying, you know, pray that I may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Uh, that's Paul's way of saying the gospel, right? What God has been doing from creation to new creation. There is a mystery of how God unfolds that salvation, through Jesus, nobody expected it. But this mystery has now been revealed. And so for people who know that we are inside, we're the insider, we're not outsiders anymore, we've been brought into the kingdom of God because of this relationship. Uh, that's good for us. But for others, you know, this mystery that has been revealed will bring judgment. That means that there is an urgency to respond to this message. We need, as Paul says, you know, to buy up time. Um, to make use of every opportunity because time is counting down. So there's an urgent question that we need to ask is, you know, for us is, are we inside or outside? Uh, if that's something that, you know, it's not surprising for, for churches where someone's been here and they're still exploring. God, they get it. But Jesus, not so much. We've got to come to a point where Jesus is just God some of us conceptually get that, but that Jesus is only. Jesus is sufficient. And Jesus alone is enough. That's the bit that you know you've arrived at a relationship with Jesus that is solely centered on him and only him. So Paul asked for, for prayer. So pray for us too that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim this mystery that has already been revealed, for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly uh, as I should. Uh, and notice that Paul prays kingdom prayers. Uh, I would have, if it were me, I would have said, you know, pray that I be released. Pray that I get a lenient judge. No, Paul prayed for an open door. See, that's his focus. And in the same way, you know, kingdom priority means that, and that's the way Jesus taught us to pray. We, we pray for kingdom issues, and Paul requested that uh, even as he's going through that, that the gospel might go forward. The open door is the open door for the message of Jesus. If it means Paul get released, praise God. I think he, that was, that's why I said, if it means he continue in jail, that's fine. Only let him proclaim it clearly. The word there means also review. It's play of the mystery word. 
and so that's a great example. In the same way, if we are going through a difficult time ourselves, we ought to pray. I pray that God will be glorified through the circumstances that God has put us in. And that is an encouragement for us, for others, when we see it modeled among our community. So firstly, Paul exhorts us to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful, thankful because we already know the end. And then secondly, Paul exhorts us to be wise in the way that we engage outsiders. Well, who are these outsiders? Uh, and isn't it offensive uh, to segregate people into insiders and outsiders, right? Uh, we, these days, we, we want to be inclusive. To have this inside and outside thing just seems a bit uh, mean. But not if your intention is good. So it's not that we, we you know, have this distinction so that we could keep people out. In fact, it's the other way around. We have this distinction because we want to invite people in. It's not to discriminate. It's actually so that special attention is paid for the people, for their good, so that we can actually engage them. Uh, So Paul continues to say, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may learn how to answer Everyone. So this outsider here, there is a distinction being made, but it's made because of God, the grace of God. In other words, God is the one who made the distinction. Secondly, the distinction was there so that, as what Paul is saying, you know, pay careful attention to how we engage with them, right? So that we may offer them this grace of salvation to them. And so when you put the two uh, verse five and six together, Paul is teaching us how to be tactful. Right. Verse 6 says, when your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, uh, salt is always flavorsome. It just adds flavor. Be winsome. Be attractive. Buy up the time. Make the most of every opportunity because time is running out. Jesus is coming back and that's good news for some. And so we need to be wise. We need to be devoted to prayer. Uh, we need to know the seasons, the opportunities, and so we know how to speak correctly. You know, the person that comes to mind is the prophet Daniel. Uh, the story of Daniel, of course, took place in the Old Testament at a time when God's people were deported out of the Promised Land. They got exiled into Babylon. That happened because God's people were stubborn. God gave plenty of opportunity for them to repent, but they insisted in their own way, worshipping other gods. And finally, God said, enough. And so God gave the kingdom over to King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed God's temple and deported the people into a foreign land, and these people were forced to worship foreign gods. And so Daniel was one of them. Um, But the story of Daniel is a good example of what Paul has been trying to describe, this person, right? So Daniel was devoted to God. Daniel resolved, if you know the story, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the king's food and wine. Uh, Even uh, at a later time when a king threatened to to kill anyone who would pray, who would would not pray to the king but pray to other gods, uh, Daniel was devoted to God. He continued to to pray. So Daniel was a man of prayer. Uh, Daniel was a man of wisdom. 
he was there and he learned all the literature and wisdom of the ancient Near East that was in Babylon. And, but the wisdom came from God. And so here's the interesting thing, isn't it? How, are we, how do we know how to engage outsider? Where does that wisdom come from? It comes from God. How do we access it? We access it by prayer. James says that whoever lacks wisdom, ask God. God will give it to us. And so one time, King Nebuchadnezzar, has, you know, he, he had a disturbing dream one night. So he got up and he summoned all his wise men into his bedroom. And he says, I had a terrible dream. Your job, you're the wise man. You tell me what is my dream, what was my dream, and you tell me what it meant. Go. And if you can't do it, off with your head. Um, the wise men realized that they were in trouble, so they tried to get out of it, but without any success. So they, they answered the king a second time, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. Um, and so they you know, Maybe, you know, do a fortune teller thing, you know, just kind of vaguely say, oh, yeah, you know, yes, you see a cow, that means this. Uh, but the king wouldn't have it. Uh, the king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to buy time, gain time. Same word in the Greek that is picked up by Paul. That you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. And it was up to Daniel to save the day. Daniel, who was devoted to God, devoted to prayer, was given wisdom by God. Daniel exercised his wisdom. Uh, Daniel spoke at the right time, uh, at the right moment. With the, you know, he spoke with tact. He was given an extension to pray with his friend. And God revealed that mystery to Daniel so that he could then convey it to King Nebuchadnezzar. And the dream was about a future kingdom, a glorious kingdom that was not man-made, that could not be destroyed by man. It's pointing, of course, to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through Daniel, Daniel bought time for the other wise men, literally, and King Nebuchadnezzar got converted. Pagan king who would not acknowledge God. But because of Daniel, he was brought into the kingdom. And so the next time when we think about, you know, what does it mean? What does Paul mean when it comes to be wise? You know, think of, think of Daniel. Paul wants us to do a Daniel when we're trying to engage the outsiders. Uh, let me quickly summarize. So what are, the, what are the lessons that we can learn today? Three quick things. Uh, the first lesson, of course, is a reminder about God's purpose and plan in Christ, the mystery of Christ that is now revealed. What the, what the New Testament tells us is that Jesus Christ is now the final and ultimate revelation from God. Uh, in other words, if you want to know who God is and what he looks like and what, he, what is his character, then look at Jesus. He is the exact representation of God. And there will not be any other final revelation. Stay with Jesus. Persist in Jesus. Be devoted to Jesus. The supremacy of Jesus has already been displayed. He conquered death. He went to heaven. He is now in God's right hand, reigning supreme. And so the supremacy of Jesus requires a response from us, his creature. Are we in or are we out? Do we submit to him? In obedience, or do we submit to him 
in fear. One day, the whole earth is going to, you know, all knees are going to bow to this Jesus. All tongues confess that he is the Lord. The question is, do you do so because he is your friend and you are devoted to him and he becomes devoted to you or you are his enemies and you are under his judgment? For us, Jesus is sufficient, right? He, because he's supreme, he's sufficient. He's sufficient for all our needs, both physical and spiritual. And therefore, we don't have to be anxious about this future. We can pray with anticipation, with thankfulness in our hearts. So prayer is the second lesson. So first, again, think about the God's kingdom. Second, we are commanded to pray. We are encouraged. We are called. Uh, this, this prayer is an important aspect of our community life. We need to do that individually. We need to co- do that corporately. There are many opportunities to do so as a church. Uh, what I want to do is to slowly roll this out over the next few weeks. The next sermon series is going to be on prayer. We're going to be looking at Jesus' high priestly prayer, and that's going to take us all the way to Easter. Uh, and uh, what, what I like to do as far as Epping Presbyterian Church is concerned is I, I can drive things from the top. I can say, all right, everybody goes to this prayer meeting, that prayer meeting. I, I want to do it organically. I want us to say, well, what's the best time to pray? What, where, well, how can we create this, this opportunity? And if it means a prayer meeting, great. The most important thing is we continue to pray. We grow in our intimacy with God. So that's going to come. But for now, I just want to give priority to praying kingdom's prayer. That's really the, that's the mindset shift that needs to happen, right? That shift between, you know, we, when we pray in the context of ministry or do we minister in a context of prayer. Um, start here. And then the prayer makes sense because it's about relationship. And when you have a relationship, then you are going to be resourced to serve. And then even though when times are hard and serving is hard, there are gaps in the roster, you've been on the roster for the last four months, every Sunday, I pray that you have joy. And that joy comes because you know that the one whom you are serving sees everything and he rewards you. And finally, in our witness to the outsider, this, this is a tragic week to be pre- preaching this sermon, isn't it? What happened in Christchurch is the anti-example of what we sh- how we should be engaging outsiders. There is no place, absolutely none, for violence and coercion when it comes to God's kingdom. That's not how God engages us. He never forces us. Our job is to capture hearts, not hostages. We capture mindsets that are against God and through conversation seasoned with grace and soul that we try and convince people that there is a better way. It's called God's way. We need to pray again. You know, it's very sad. You know, we've had us already prayer, but, you know, why don't we spend some time in prayer, again, pray about what, what God is speaking to us this afternoon and take this opportunity to pray for the families who are suffering in that, in that situation in Christchurch, New Zealand. Pray for the perpetrators to be brought to justice because it's wrong. When there is no justice, healing cannot happen. Let's spend some time praying and, and then our closest time of prayer and then I will send us our closest meeting as well. Let's pray. O oh, gracious God of highest heaven, Lord, uh, indeed all hearts are open to you. Uh, you know us. Uh, you know our thoughts. 
you created us. And so, Father, we ask for your blessing this afternoon. God the Father who created us in, in your image, we are your children. Help us to return to you, to be in. Bless us, O God the Son, who died on the cross and rose victoria, who reigns supreme, who is in heaven praying for us. And God the Holy Spirit, who set us apart, sanctify us so that we will be your witness. Send us out into the hurting world so that we can be your salt and light, that our speech be seasoned with salt, that we might point people to you. For those of us who are going through a hard time, we pray for courage, that you be glorified, Father, through all of that we are going through. And we ask this in your Son's precious name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Um, see you again next week. If you have any questions, I'm here. Um, this is the, the sort of setting where I'm happy to take questions informally. Just come to come to the front.